You are Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast on the BYU Cougars, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. A very happy Wednesday to you all. Hope you all are doing fantastic out there. Plenty to get to ahead on this episode of the Locked On Cougars podcast. We continue our look back at BYU football history and the 100 seasons of BYU football countdown. Today we talk about 2005 and the dawn of the Bronco Mendenhall era. How did he get hired? What happened in his first year at the helm of the Cougars? We'll get to all of that ahead on today's show. We'll also cover the news of the day involving BYU, among others, receiving votes in the USA Today coaches preseason poll and a season-ending injury for a BYU defensive back. We'll also have a one-on-one conversation with BYU wide receiver Samson Nakua. A great chat with the new BYU wide receiver. What brings him to Provo? What is he looking to do in his lone season as a BYU football player? We'll get to all of that ahead on today's show. Today's podcast is brought to you by our good friends over at the Locked On College Football Channel. If you have an interest in the ACC, the Big 12, Big 10, SEC, or the Pac-12, we have a daily podcast focused on all five of those Power 5 conferences. You can download it wherever you get podcasts just like this one. All right, without further ado, it is hump day and let's get going. This is the Locked On Cougars podcast for August 11th, 2021. What's up, my friends? I'm Jake Hatch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, your resident BYU insider. I work for the Zone Sports Network in Salt Lake City, Utah, as the executive producer of DJ and PK in the morning. And a big thank you once again for joining us right here on your only daily podcast focused on the BYU Cougars. Our goal here, as many of you probably know, but those of you tuning in for the first time, is to make you guys the smartest BYU fans out there. That's the goal, plain and simple. We do this every day. Uh, Short-form podcast, 20 to 30 minutes, and we get you on your way and on with your day. So a huge thank you once again for your support of the podcast. Make sure you hit that follow button. And if you haven't already, please leave us a rating and review, especially to those of you listening to us on Apple Podcasts. Want those five-star ratings as well as your guys' thoughts on the podcast in the comments section. Please make sure you do that if you haven't done so already. It really helps us continue to build this audience. All right, getting going here on a Wednesday. Let's start off with the news of the day. And two things we need to touch on. First thing, BYU 2020, obviously a very good year for the Cougars, a banner year, uh, finishing number 11 in the AP poll. Well, the preseason coaches poll came out yesterday, and BYU is among those receiving votes, others receiving votes. If you want to extrapolate the poll based on the points, BYU would check in at number 31 in the preseason. The Utes are one spot out of the top 25. Speaking of the University of Utah, they have the most points of a team not inside the top 25 currently. And BYU is also slated to face off against USC, who is currently ranked in the preseason poll. So some interesting matchups to look at for BYU. Uh, By the way, the team that BYU lost to last year, Coastal Carolina, checks in at number 24 in the preseason poll. For those of you who were wondering at home who had not seen this so BYU finishes with 53 points overall 
Utah had 145 points just behind Ole Miss, who checked in at number 25 with 149 points. Uh, Liberty, funny enough, just in front of BYU with 68 points in the preseason poll. USC, who BYU will finish this regular season off against, checks in at number 14 in the preseason. So we'll see what happens this year. I'm looking forward to it. There's a big opportunity staring the Cougars in the face, obviously, as you look ahead to the upcoming season. And, of course, we'll have it covered for you from top to bottom here every single day day but the hope is that BYU can rise from that others receiving votes into the top 25 relatively quickly but that would require a pretty quick start on BYU's part that it would involve beating Arizona beating Utah beating Arizona State those are your first three opponents you've got a big opportunity staring it down uh, even if you're two and one in those games I think BYU fans would take that maybe you're maybe I'm wrong about that maybe I have the wrong pulse of Cougar Nation and let me know if I'm wrong in that assessment but I think there's some respect still for BYU despite them losing 12 guys who are currently in NFL training camps but looking forward to covering this season. Now the other news involves BYU's defensive secondary and Taylon Alfrey, a freshman safety who was listed as a backup at I believe free safety, no excuse me, strong safety for the Cougars this year in their preseason depth chart they released to BYU Football Media Day back in June. Well, he announced on social media on Instagram that he suffered an Achilles tear during what he called a routine workout just over a month ago, and he will miss the entire season this year. It's a pretty devastating injury for a kid of his caliber. I really liked Alfrey's uh, potential. Guy who was just coming off a mission for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. We have not seen him in a BYU uniform yet, and it sounds like we'll have to wait another year for that. I would venture a guess he probably redshirts this coming season and hopefully he recovers and rebounds quickly from that injury but that does thin out BYU's depth in the secondary particularly at safety but I don't think it's necessarily going to cripple the Cougars. I think that Malik Moore and Chaz Ayu are your two lead dogs at the safety position, and I believe there are a lot of other bodies that can play those spots. Guys like George Udo, Matt Criddle. Uh, man, I can just go, go down the list if you really want me to, but we've done this already previously, talking about the safety position for BYU in our pre-fall camp position preview. So, yes, is it a, is it a blow? Absolutely. To lose a guy of Alfrey's caliber because he was very highly thought of coming out of high school up there in the Pacific Northwest and to have to wait another year, it looks like, to see him finally suit up for the Cougars, that does suck. But I do think that BYU has options to replace him. So we'll see how everything shakes out in that regard for the Cougars, but we will have anything else that comes out of BYU fall camp for you. I'm supposed to speak with one of our practice insiders today at some point after BYU's practice. And by the way, BYU football media availability also today at 1.30 p.m. Mountain Time. It'll be a Zoom conference. We will not have in-person availability, so no observations from practice, but we will have interviews and the like for you guys throughout the rest of the week, letting you guys know what's going on with the Cougars as you hear from players and coaches about what they're making a fall camp to this point. All right, so there you go. That's the news of the day. Oh, one other note for you guys is congratulations to BYU Women's Golf standout Kirsten Fotu. She won the Siegfried and Jensen Utah Women's Open Golf Tournament. That wrapped up yesterday. She will not be able to claim the $1,500 winner's check because she is an amateur still competing for BYU in the collegiate ranks, but she will go on the trophy as the champion for the 2021 event. So congratulations to her. I think the BYU Women's Golf Program has got a lot of good players and Kirsten Fotu is just among that group so congratulations to her 
on that victory. All right, coming up in just a moment, a conversation I had with BYU wide receiver Samson Nakua one-on-one earlier this week at BYU Football Media Availability. A great chat about what brought him to Provo, what he hopes to do in his lone season as a Cougar. We'll get to all of that in mere moments. Today's show is brought to you in part by our good friends over at Bet Online. You've heard us talk about them in the past, but they are the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. If you think you guys know how a team is going to perform in the upcoming college football season or in the NFL season, they've got all the futures odds for you guys. Whether it's win totals, over-under numbers, you think you know who's going to be the MVP for the NFL, you can bet on all of that and do it simply and easily at betonline.ag. Sign up for a free account now, and while you're there, take advantage of the 50% welcome bonus they're offering to our listeners. You heard that right. Free money, courtesy of a sports book. I don't know how many are willing to do that, but all you got to do is go to betonline.ag, and when you make your first deposit, use the promo code Locked On L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, and you get a 50% welcome bonus. 50% of whatever you deposit added in as free credits to play with at BetOnline. Fantastic way to get into the betting game and really put money where your mouth is. So check it out, guys. That's BetOnline. They are your online sportsbook experts. It is time now to hear from BYU wide receiver Samson Nakua. And I know how weird that probably sounds for many of you listening to this podcast because he's played the previous four seasons for the University of Utah, has had many fine moments wearing red up on the hill. But now he is donning blue and he is a member of the BYU football program. I had a chance to catch up with him, had a great chat about how things are going for him in Provo so far. So without further ado, here you go. BYU wide receiver Samson Nakua right here on Locked on Cougars. First things first, you're wearing blue. I know. It's a different feeling. Uh, I, I feel different in it, too, man. I just feel, uh, I don't know. It's, it's different. It's, being in blue is way different. You know, I've been in red all my years, but, you know, I like the color change up. You know, it feels good. I remember interviewing you probably three or four years ago when you were up at up on the hill at the U, yeah. had crazy colored hair. It was long, and I remember talking to you like, no, this is how I express myself. Yeah. So what are you doing to express yourself down here? Man, I'm keeping it the same. Man, there ain't no switch up on me. You know, wherever I go, I'm here to bring myself. You know, I'm here to be the same. So it, it's gonna something's gonna happen. They might just have to wait till game time to see. You know, I might not let it show a little early. I might have to wait till game time and surprise everybody. <laughs> well, how, how's this transition been overall? Oh, it's been good. Um, especially to have the little brother here with me. Um, it's been way good. <laughs> it's been good. The teammates been uh, you know opened me, uh, welcomed me with open arms. Uh, me and my little brother. The coaching staff's been really cool. Um, um, we got a new locker room too. It's been a, it's been a really good experience uh, switching over, um, and the guys have just been really helping, honestly. Obviously, you're coming in from Utah, and then Puka came down from Washington. I know you just talked about the family situation, brought you guys back down here, but have you guys felt like, okay, hey, you know what? Maybe we should have been here all along. Um, you know, there is that feeling a little bit that we should have been here all along because, you know, it does feel so right being back home, honestly. But um, I think, you know, looking back as I'm older, the journey was supposed to happen the way it happened, honestly. Uh, Puka was supposed to go his own path for a little bit, me, my ways for a little bit. And uh, I think the timing of it's all on God's timing, and uh, it's just perfect the way it all happened. So can you explain to me, so you have a skill set, obviously, as a wide receiver. Everything everybody looks at a receiver and says, okay, they all have, no, there's very much different skill sets. How does yours differ from your brothers? 
Um, Puka's a more aggressive in speed and uh, the perfectionist type. Um, I'm more of a free, freelance, get open, uh, find the hole guy. Puka's uh, straight to the tee. You want to come back, he's running straight down the stem, you know, coming down perfect route, everything. I'm more of like, you know, I'm going to run that stem, but also find a wide open hole. I, uh, you know, uh, me and Puka's just two different. Puka's just that straight to, down to the tee guy. I'm the more freelance, you know, find the open hole. So he's the technician. You're more of the, I'm going to sit down in the zone and get, just kill you. Yeah, yeah. Then uh, avoid any contact in a man-to-man row and then still try to find an open hole <laughs> within us. I, I get that. So what's it been like working with Fessy Satake? Oh, it's been nice. It's a uh, big switch up from Coach Guy Holiday. Um, we work a lot of technique here and stuff. Um, we did a lot up to YouTube, but it's just different. Coach uh, teaches us a lot on our uh, finesse releases of just a, a good hop skip or something uh, something different to add into our uh, repertoire instead of doing repetitive stuff. And uh, it's nice to get uh, a little switch up in my uh, in my bag. What are your assessment of the receivers? I know like Neil's coming back, Gunner's coming back for another year. But what's your assessment of the other guys in the group? Oh, everyone's a playmaker. Um, at the end of the day, um, you're not brought here to BYU football just to, you know, be an average guy. If you're on this team with us, especially our receiver room, um, they're all playmakers. And uh, if you've seen these past three, four days of camp, everyone, the ball's being spread to everybody and everyone's making the play out here. It's not just one guy, not just one uh, one rotation, not just the two rotations. Even the threes are coming out to make plays. And uh, it's nice to see that there's no drop-off at all. Is there a guy that people may not know that's been sending out to you so far? Um, I think there's a lot of guys, honestly. Um, a lot of our slots are uh, smaller slots. Um, little Britain Cubbies, honestly. They just haven't gotten the chance because of us bigger guys, but you give them the opportunity. They've been making a lot of plays, um, even some of the, the wideouts that are... Um, um, that are younger behind some of the senior classes. Um, honestly, the whole group is making big plays, and it's just going to be fun to see everyone play. I'm not going to ask you to pick your favorite in the quarterback battle, so don't don't get me wrong with this. But can you just assess how they've looked all three of the, all three of the guys so far? Um, honestly, they've all been in this offense for a while, so it's like it seems like they all got it down to a T right now. And now they're just helping out the guys that need to that they need to bring along. And honestly, all three of them have been great leaders and have been throwing the ball excellent. They've all probably shared uh, the same amount of mistakes, um, but honestly, all of them are looking good. And there's really any any three of them could go down and the, the backup could kill it just as a starter so it's uh, there's no drop off at all who's got the strongest arm Ooh, it's between Conover and uh, uh, Romney honestly um, really Jaron's number three Jaron's got a nice arm it's hard to tell honestly because he doesn't like to throw a lot of heat on it but I feel like if he wants to he really can so I haven't really gotten to see him like show out his arm yet yeah. so like until like probably we get to a scrimmage then he'll probably start slinging that right thing but right now I've only seen between Baylor and uh, uh, Rob, uh, Baylor and uh, Conover I'm gonna say he's a baseball player he's yeah that's what I'm saying I know he's got a good arm because I seen him dart there was one of the plays he dropped the the snap and picked it up and turned around and slung that thing okay. and i was like what the heck was that <laughs> but i haven't got to really see him unlo- uh, unload on the deep ball yet so we'll see you in waiting all right my last thing for you is okay the number 45 is a unique number for a receiver in particular yeah. why the number 45 um everyone asked me this question um you know it's a big uh, family thing right here it's just uh my dad always wanted my siblings to come here and play together and uh, me and Puga finally got the opportunity, and uh, my dad passed away at the age 45. So, you know, I've kept that number since I got up at Utah. I started that and just been repping this number, and I have uh, I liked it, honestly. I feel like it fits me perfectly. <laughs> unique number for unique dude, right? Yes, sir. You already know. <laughs> Puka, you're the man. Thank you. Yes, sir. Thank you so much. You have a good one. 
There you go. BYU wide receiver Samson Nakua. And folks, I truly believe I'm a pretty well-informed sports reporter in this market. Of course, I work for the Zone Sports Network. We're the, of course, broadcast home of the Utah Jazz. We're owned by the Smith Entertainment Group, which is also the controlling owner of the Utah Jazz. And we cover all sports. Utah, BYU, Utah State, Real Salt Lake, the whole gamut of things. I have talked with Samson Akua multiple times during his time at Utah, and I truly did not know the reason for him wearing the number 45. He says he's talked to people about it in the past. Somehow that slipped me, but that's a really fitting tribute and a cool tribute to his father, Lionel, who obviously passed away at the age of 45, as you heard him mention. The Nakua brothers, all of them, uh, Kai, Isaiah, now you have Samson and Puka playing at BYU, and the youngest brother, Tei, I believe is a freshman or a sophomore at Timothy High School just up the road from BYU. They're all carrying on a very rich legacy, and the hope is that Tei Nakua will be just the latest to go to BYU whenever his college decision comes down the road. But really, really cool to hear from Samson Nakua, and also interesting to hear him talk about the fact he hasn't necessarily seen uh, Jaron Hall uncork a deep ball quite yet. But I can tell you this much, knowing what I know of Jaron Hall's arm, He's got an arm, folks. Don't worry about that. The arm strength is not an issue for Jaron Hall. I had it described to me by another person down there in Provo that if you were to rank the arm strength of BYU's three contenders for the starting quarterback job, it would probably go one, Jacob Conover, to Jaron Hall, and and the person told me it's probably 1A and 1B with Hall and Conover. Conover probably getting just the slightest of edges on Jaron Hall and then Baylor Romney coming in third fiddle in that group but all three of them and I'm not saying that a guy like Baylor Romney does not have a strong arm he's got more than capable arm strength to make all the throws on the field the good news is everything I'm hearing out of fall camp uh, based on my conversations with folk down, folks down there they really like all three options and a guy like Samson Akua he's only going to help to make whoever ends up being the guy at quarterback for BYU that much better I really like the weapons that BYU has. You have two proven running backs. You've got established wide receivers along with intriguing talents coming in with the Nakua brothers out there at wide out. And at tight end, man, are they four or five deep at tight end right now? So I really, really like the options. Whoever ends up being the quarterback is for BYU. I'm not going to say they're as good or going to be better than they were in 2020, but the options are there. The potential is there for this team to be very good. But once again, a big thank you to Samson Nakua for taking the time to speak with me one-on-one. We'll continue to have these conversations for you guys. Any of you who've listened to this podcast for any length of time know that I like to get one-on-one conversations and bring them to you so you can hear from these players and coaches. So if there are people you want to hear from, let me know. Reach out to the show on social media, Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. You can find us at Locked On Cougars. You want to check me out on Twitter and send me a DM. My Twitter handle is Jacob C. Hatch. And as always, the email address for the show is LockedOnBYU at gmail.com. All right, coming up here in just a moment, when we look back in the BYU football history books, 2005, the dawn of the Bronco Mendenhall era. How did he get the job in the first place, and how did things go in his debut season as head coach? of the BYU Cougars. We'll get to all of that. Today's show is brought to you in part by our good friends over at Built Bar. I absolutely love Built Bars. I had somebody ask me actually at media availability earlier this week, Jake, you really can't enjoy Built Bars as much as you do. I'm like, no, I'm serious. I actually pulled it out of my backpack and showed it. I, I carry one with me at all times, folks. I should show you my dedication to these protein bars. They truly are the best tasting protein bars ever, but more importantly, they're the 
most healthy, in my opinion, or one of the most healthy, in my opinion. Let me check out all the macros for you guys. Most of the flavors have at least 17 grams of protein, just 130 calories, four grams of sugar, and just four grams of net carbs. A couple of other flavors, well, they pack in even more protein, 18 grams. Obviously, you make a trade-off with 180 calories, but just five grams of sugar and five grams of net carbs in those bars. They are healthy. They're tasty. They're covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew. They taste as close to a candy bar as you will get in the protein bar game. So go to built.com and order your bars now. I would recommend if you're checking them out for the first time, you order what they call their sampler pack. It comes with two of every flavor they have available. You can check them out and then go back and order your favorites after that. While you're there, use the promo code LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5 for 15% off your next order. It's a great way to try them out, and I truly believe that you will enjoy them because I absolutely love my built bar. So that's built.com promo code locked 15 for 15% off your next order and get enjoying the best tasting protein bars with built bar. All right, my friends, one more time out on today's show to tell you about one of our great sponsors here on Locked On Cougars, and that is our good friends over at First Colony Mortgage. We talk a lot of BYU on the show, obviously, because it's a BYU podcast, but you guys know that a championship team was formed the same year that BYU's national championship squad in 1984 was formed? Yes, that is the team over at First Colony Mortgage. They are a full-service mortgage lender, so that means from beginning to end, everything is taken care of by the First Colony team. There's no outsourcing of anything along the way in this process. Zach Hicken, a dear friend of mine, is our loan officer at First Colony for the Locked on Cougars podcast. Any financing you need for your home, Zach is there to take care of you guys. Whether you're looking to get into a new home, capitalize on your home's equity with a cash out refinance, or take advantage of low rates, Zach will be there to walk you through every step of the loan process. You can contact Zach directly at 801-380-0752 or check out his website, hickenhomeloans.com. Hicken is spelled H-I-C-K-E-N homeloans.com hickenhomeloans.com Once again, his phone number though 801-380-0752 That's First Colony Mortgage NMLS 3112 Zach Hicken NMLS 205-2216 First Colony Mortgage is an equal housing lender and of course, a proud partner with us here on the Locked On Cougars podcast. Before we go here on this Wednesday edition of the podcast, of course, we need to continue on with our 100 seasons of BYU football countdown. And Today, we look back at 2005 for the BYU football program, but we need to start on December 13th, 2004, before we tell the story of 2005. That is the day that Bronco Mendenhall was named as the new head coach of the BYU football program. Many of you will think back to those days. BYU coming off three straight losing seasons. They had multiple issues with the law, honor code issues, all kinds of different things going on. And there was a lot of upheaval. During this time also, Urban Meyer exited Utah, had gone to take the job with the University of Florida, and obviously Bronco Mendenhall was in contention for the BYU job at the behest of BYU football players, but that came after a very public flirtation with University of Utah defensive coordinator Kyle Whittingham. Obviously, Whittingham, his connections to the BYU football program ran extensively deep. He was the former WAC Defensive Player of the Year. His father, Fred, had coached at BYU. BYU for a number of years. Kyle went to Provo High School just across the street from BYU. There was some hope, and I think there were a lot of BYU fans out there that were hoping that he would decide to come home. And based on 
conversations I've had with multiple folks who are covering this era of BYU football and sports in the state of Utah, there was a point where Kyle Whittingham had thoughts that he would end up in Provo. Ultimately, he opted to stay in Salt Lake City and obviously has put together quite the run as the head coach of the University of Utah. Don't hate me, folks. I think we can acknowledge he's had a pretty stellar run and the Utes are doing just fine. But after he decided to stick with Utah and being promoted to the head coach of the Utes, there was a big question mark of, okay, who in the world is BYU going to hire? Guys like Lance Reynolds, who had been on the staff for a long time, were in contention for it. But players on BYU's defense told BYU administration, led by Tom Homo, who at that point was the senior associate athletic director, so he had not received the full AD title that he has carried to this day. He received this shortly afterwards. He decided, you know what, I'm going to interview Bronco Mendenhall once again, give him another crack at it. Bronco Mendenhall, as many of you might recall, came to BYU in 2003 as the defensive coordinator, had coordinated absolutely stellar defenses for the University of New Mexico under Rocky Long. His father played for BYU, Paul Mendenhall. Older brother, Matt Mendenhall, was a stud for the Cougars in the late 1970s. Went on to play four years in the NFL. And Bronco always dreamed of playing at BYU. Led Snow College to a national championship in the 1980s, but did not get the opportunity to play for the Cougars. Part of the reason he picked Oregon State is because it was an opportunity to play against BYU and play in Lavelle Edwards Stadium. Many of you probably are aware of this, but if you weren't, that's part of the reason why he went and played at Oregon State. Went on to have a pretty stellar coaching career, coordinating defenses around the country, but comes home to Utah, a guy that grew up in American Fork, is now the head coach of BYU, hired on December 13th, 2004. The quote from his press conference I want to read here is this, quote, I am humbled by my new responsibilities. This is a great honor, and I am determined to return BYU to national prominence. BYU fans can expect leadership from the coaching staff and a team that will play as hard as it possibly can. We will continue to have an aggressive defense along with an up-tempo, high-powered offense. Our goal is to be as exciting and as competitive as any team in the country, unquote. I think we can look back now at the 11 seasons that Bronco Mendenhall would end up as the head coach of the BYU football program and say, he delivered on that, plain and simple. But 2005, there were huge question marks about this team. It was a brand new staff. Robert and I had come in from Texas Tech to be the new offensive coordinator, and he was bringing the truest form of the air raid offense that he learned under uh, Mike Leach, who was at Texas Tech at that time. And BYU, they started out the 2005 season throwing the ball a lot. It did not work, though, because BYU only mustered three points in a season-opening loss to number 22 Boston College, losing 20-3, to and Bronco Mendenhall was booed in his first home game as head coach of the BYU football program. And honestly, he brought it up so many times since that time, since that happened, that I don't think he ever forgot it from that home debut. They lose to Boston College, bounce back the next week against FCS-level Eastern Illinois with a 45-10 victory, and then... One of the most entertaining games in BYU history that resulted in a loss for the Cougars embarked two weeks later on September 24th. TCU came to Lavelle Edwards Stadium to take on the Cougars in a highly anticipated matchup. Uh, TCU would end up the season in 2005, number 11 in the country. They were 8-0 in the Mountain West Conference, finishing 11-1 overall in the regular season. And the Horned Frogs were given 
every bit the battle that they expected. And they actually were outplayed by and large for three and a half quarters in this game. Uh, TCU rallied from an 18-point deficit in the fourth quarter. And many of you might recall, in overtime, BYU gets a touchdown pass. It was like one play, if I recall correctly, to Todd Watkins from John Beck. And then TCU kind of plods their way towards the goal line. They appear to score a touchdown, or did they? I think some of you might recall watching this game because as a BYU, so Corey Rogers met Chris Hale at the two-yard line and lunch for the goal line, and then BYU linebacker Justin Lukerot appeared to knock the football out of Rogers' hands, and a BYU player recovered it in the end zone. That should have been game over, but after review, they overturned the call and gave the ball back to TCU. Actually, no, did they rule it a touchdown? Uh, so they... The official on the spot signaled a touchdown for Rodgers. The review was inconclusive to change the outcome. This was the very much the early days of video review in college football. But as such, the oh, by, by the way, the the PAT for BYU on the touchdown they scored in overtime. It was a bobbled snap. Or actually, it was a really bad snap. It kind of rolled back to the holder, and the PAT failed. So BYU was up fifty to forty-four. That touchdown gets quote unquote scored, upheld after review. Uh, TCU kicks the field goal, uh, kicks the PAT, and escapes with a fifty-one to fifty victory. I will swear to this day that was a fumble, and it should have been a BYU victory. It. Sh- it you can tell me X, Y, and Z about that play. It was a fumble. I remember exactly where I was at watching that play. I was working at Fans, the old sports apparel shop, in the University Mall in Orem, Utah. I had to work that day or else I would have been at this game. I was watching on TV, and I watched that replay multiple times. I am still convinced to this day that BYU should have won that game. But alas, it counts as a loss. BYU off to a 1-2 and two start. And there are BYU fans, obviously, who are wondering, okay, how long is this going to take for Bronco Mendenhall to turn things around, or will he turn things around? Well, the following week, things didn't get better because BYU went to San Diego State and were summarily dismissed 31-10, but then they bounced back from that 1-3 and three start with back-to-back victories, beating Bronco Mendenhall's old team in New Mexico 27-24, and then beating Colorado State in Provo 24-14. So suddenly, halfway through your slate, you're 3-3. Three and three. Okay, that's all right. We've seen this from Gary Croton's squads. How are you guys going to do the back half of the season? Well, the back half of the season opened with a road game in Notre Dame, Indiana against number 9 Notre Dame, and BYU was thoroughly trounced 49-23, dropping them to 3-4, and and then the Cougars put together three straight wins, beating Air Force and Provo 62-41, then beating UNLV in Las Vegas 55-14, and finishing up the win streak at Wyoming with a 35-21 win. So, Suddenly, BYU is sitting at 6-4 and four going into the regular season finale against Utah as they hosted Utah at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. Now, the Cougars' offense had really gotten going since that paltry output of three points against Boston College. I think the coaching staff, Robert and I, realized, you know what, maybe the purest form of the air raid that we've had at Texas Tech during his time there isn't going to work at BYU, and they adapted it. They started using guys like Curtis Brown in the running game more and more, and obviously having a quarterback like John Beck learning the offense, he was a great 
asset to have. Well, they went into that game against Utah, and things did not start well for the Cougars, if you guys can think back to this game, because Utah raced out to a 24-3 lead. Jared McLaughlin's first quarter field goal was a lone score for BYU in the first half. In the second half, though, BYU got things going. Curtis Brown scored on two runs, one of them a 64-yard run to get it to 24-17. Brian Hernandez then hauled in a pass to make it 31-17. Todd Watkins responded as the third quarter rounded out to make it 31-24. In the fourth quarter, though, BYU had another thing up their sleeve. They scored on a touchdown pass to Matt Allen from John Beck to make it 34-31. And then Jared McLaughlin made a 37-yard field goal to tie things up 34-34. In overtime, though, BYU unable to get points on the board, and Travis Latondres gets a 25-yard touchdown pass from Brett Ratliff to give Utah the 41-34 victory. That dropped BYU's record to six and four, six and six and five, excuse me, there in 2005. But it was a winning season. BYU had bounced back. They had bounced back from three straight losing seasons to clinch a winning campaign for the Cougars. And funny enough, BYU actually finished 5-3, and three, tied for second in the Mountain West Conference behind TCU. Utah was 4-4. Four and four. They were 7-5 and five on the year. And the Cougars got an invite for the first time in th- four seasons, excuse me, to go to Sam Boyd Stadium, the second trip to Las Vegas of the year, to take on Cal in the Las Vegas Bowl. This was a huge game. And I was in attendance at this game. I had convinced my dad after many, many years of BYU sucking. I said, Dad, you know what? We need to go to this game. We need to go down to Las Vegas. So we went down and stayed with some family in St. George for a couple of days, then drove down to Las Vegas for the game. This was quite the bowl game. Many of you might recall that it was Marshawn Lynch and the Cal Bears who were just running roughshod against BYU in this game. And the Cougars battled, ended up falling 35-28 to in the victory. And Cougar fans overall probably can think back and say, you know what? All things considered, a pretty successful year despite the Cougars finishing at 500-6-6 on the year. But it signaled that Bronco Mendenhall, his promise in December of 2004 as he took over as the new head coach of the BYU football program, a relative unknown, the second youngest coach in FBS football at that point. I believe Bronco was 38 at that point when he was hired by the Cougars as their head coach. There was a lot going against him. But he got this team to believe. Uh, many of you will recall they went back to the Stretch Y logo at that point, still wearing the Navy uniforms. They went back to that oval Y, the Stretch Y as they call it. There was just a hearkening back to the glory days that Bronco Mendenhall grew up rooting for the Cougars. He wanted to get back to that mode and that mold of BYU football. And things for the most part actually worked out for the Cougars. So I think overall 2005, you go 500, it's obviously an improvement. You had a an improvement on the regular season, finishing 6-5 and five overall. And you know, you know what? When Marshawn Lynch, beast mode, shows you what he can do uh, before he went on to do it in the NFL because he finished with 194 yards and three touchdowns in that win over BYU, you, you take it and move on. So plain and simple. Deshaun Jackson also, who went on to have many, many great years and still playing in the NFL, if I'm not mistaken, he had six receptions for 130 yards and the other two touchdowns that Cal scored in that victory over BYU. So some very high-level players in that season. I know we're way over time on this, but you know what? I'm blowing it out. We're going off clock here. A couple of notes for you guys from the season overall for BYU I wanted to note before we go on today's show is that BYU had a pretty good season if you look at the stats for the Cougars 
on the 2005 books because John Beck obviously still learning this offense. Well, he goes out and puts up a 3,709-yard season, 27 touchdowns against 13 interceptions. Curtis Brown, probably his finest season in a BYU uniform, 1,123 yards and 14 touchdowns. Johnny Harleen breaks out with 853 yards and five touchdowns. Todd Watkins finishes off his career as a Cougar with 678 yards and nine touchdowns to lead the Cougars in touchdown receptions. So there's a lot of good things that came out of the season, but 2006, the stage is set for the breakout campaign. Bronco Mendenhall apparently had the guys ready to go in 2006, and one of the finest moments in BYU-Utah rivalry history also unfolded, and we'll talk about that ahead on tomorrow's show. All right, way over time, so that'll do it for today's podcast. A huge thank you once again for your support of the show, as always. A big thank you to Samson Akua as well for joining us. We'll have more for you guys throughout the rest of the week and obviously throughout the upcoming season covering BYU every single day, so stay with us. This has been the Locked On Cougars podcast for August 11th, 2021, and we will talk to you guys tomorrow.